magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey Jewel fans, this is Chris from the Jewel Riders Archive. I'm here today to have a fun discussion with two of my favorite people. I have Stormy. Hello! A former webmistress of the Avalon website and grand dame of the Jewel Riders fandom. And I also have with us for the first time on the podcast, I have Alex, the artist and writer behind Paper Doll Prints. Hello! Welcome to the show. Glad to have you both here. Thank you. So the genesis of this episode really comes from Stormy's old website. There was a section on the website where she basically talked about, if you liked Jewel Riders, try this, basically. And a lot of it was anime. And, you know, Magical Girl anime from the 90s and that era. But... I also thought, what a great idea for Western cartoons as well. So there's been a lot of Magical Girl cartoons over the years, and I wanted to break down a few of them to basically tell Jewel Riders fans, hey, you might like this, and here's why. So on this first of our two-part series, we'll be covering the shows from the 80s. And in this episode, we're going to feature six shows, My Little Pony, Rainbow Bright, She-Ra, Princess of Power, Gem and the Holograms, Wildfire, and Lady Lovely Locks. All right, so why don't we get started with My Little Pony, the 1984 show from Hasbro, uh, based on the 1982 toy line of the same name. Now, uh... Stormy, why don't you tell me your history with My Little Pony? My boy, My Little Pony is almost as old as me. <laughs> <laughs> I had the toys when I was little. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch much of the show. My main memory is of the movie with the schmooze. And I don't know if that was just My Little Pony the movie or if it was the movie of the schmooze. But I have clear memories of that. I remember the schmooze was very scary because I was like five years old. And it's like, you know, beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps. (laughs) And the schmooze was very scary to my tiny kid brain. But seeing it again older with friends, I thought the the villains were interesting. The two witches who make the schmooze. Alex, you've mentioned your love for the My Little Pony movie to me as well before. Talk a little bit about that. I know you've mentioned the witches as being a standout. Oh, yeah. I thought they were amazing villains in that movie. Um, I really enjoyed um, Hidia and how she wouldn't let her own daughters call her mother. She always made them call her Hidia, and it was really <laughs> quite funny. Um, I really liked Baby Lickety Split in that movie. I thought she was super cute, and her little rainbow dance outfit that's like got the 80s sweatbands on it's like adorable (laughs) at the beginning opening scene and she's a little bit bratty but you know it was a very um sweet way to open the movie with her kind of trying to outstage everybody at their performance 
I have sadly not seen this movie, but I did just order it today. Oh, you need so, to watch it. So maybe before the next episode, I will watch that and have my report on the My Little Pony, the movie. The witches, I think the mom witch, she threatens her daughters with, I'm going to make you eat ice cream. Yes, she does. <laughs> bad. So like, good things like ice cream are bad to them. Oh my gosh. I remember there was a joke where um, she compared her daughters to another witch's daughters, and she said that her daughters made Easter Sunday happen on a Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) And she was disappointed her daughters can't come up with anything so evil. (laughs) That is adorable. This movie has fun villains. Yes, it really does. They cram a lot into the time of the movie, too. There's so many characters in it. I know that's it's always been a little bit of a hard point for me with watching the old My Little Pony stuff because I have a hard time knowing which character is which. <laughs> for sure. They're, they're just not quite as like laid out and they don't always seem to have the like quite the same personality as some of the later iterations of My Little Pony. But it's like some someday I'll remember all the names. <laughs> Um, I watched for this, for this podcast, I watched these pilot special rescue at midnight castle. I was the first time I'd ever watched it and it is dark. Really? I don't know that I've ever seen it. What happens in it? So it's got this villain named T-Rex who's trying to capture the ponies to transform them into dragons to pull his carriage of the night, basically to bring eternal darkness to the pony land. And it's got, you know, threats against ponies' lives. Like, oh, oh wow. They're like, at one point, I think Tyrick threatens that he might behead Spike, the little oh, wow. dragon. <laughs> and. And then in this interlude, I I laughed out loud because there's a point where they get thrown into a river and get saved in a musical number that's super cheerful from the sea ponies oh. going shoopy doo. That's so cute. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, this was so dark. <laughs> no. I do no. think that there were quite a bit of moments like that in the movie as well. Like it's like getting swallowed up by the smooth. You're basically drowning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you did either of you ever own My Little Pony toys as children? I have a bunch. I have them still. I have lots of ponies. I have like one of the barns, but it's missing most of its pieces. Oh. I think I have even the two girls, Megan and Molly, were those their names? Yeah. Something I, like that. Oh, Megan? they actually made dolls of the of the live action girls. They, they yes. did. Or the live human girls. Yeah. <laughs> Not live action. Non ponies. <laughs> yeah, they're really cute little dolls actually. I um when I got to go to Hascon, they had like an entire retrospective for my little pony and they had like all the toys that they produced in these cases and you could kind of go through and see all of them. Oh, they and, have, yeah. like every single toy. 
I don't know if it was every single toy, but they had a ton of them from, and they had them labeled by the year that they produced them. And then they had production art on the wall, like framed. Um, oh, that was really fantastic. beautiful. Yeah. And you I can't did see us podcast listeners, but we look really jealous right now. We <laughs> want to go to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I did have some of the toys growing up. Um, I remember I had a firefly and I think I had a, I think it was a lickety split. Um, I did have them and I always wanted the Megan and the Molly, but I didn't <laughs> ever get them. <laughs> oh. Um, I know Stormy, you helped me get a minty not too long ago. Oh, did I? She's so cute. <laughs> Minty is my favorite of the vintage ponies. Oh. And I think I also picked up... They've done these really nice reproduction ponies in the last couple of years. Um, I've seen those. Like, I've seen them in Target and so forth. And I did pick up, I think it was Moon Dancer and Sunbeam because of Jewel Riders. <laughs> they reminded me. <laughs> The reproduction toys are so cute. They are. They have the cutest little boxes. I was like, I can't bear to take them out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we may... Should we talk about Friendship is Magic a little bit now? Or should we talk about it maybe on the next episode? Um, Either one. I I've seen... It's a damn good show, but I haven't seen a whole lot of it. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the first three seasons, I think. Okay. Yeah, I've, I have... Just this year, I finished the ninth season, and I was like, how has this been going for nine <laughs> seasons? <laughs> it's probably one of those things I would have never watched if, it, if I had gone to it all at the end, because it's just too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember when they made Equestria Girls. Um, I was living in Vancouver at the time, and since it was animated there, when it came out, um, I went out I, on like opening day, and a lot of the Vancouver animators were there in the audience, and it was quite fun to see their reactions to their art being up on the screen. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, it was really fun. Everybody in the audience, like, was having a good time, and honestly, it wasn't super packed, because it was, like, the middle of the day when it kind of came out. Okay. <laughs> so. I know, I do love Friendship is Magic. It was probably, it was my my gateway into My Little Pony um, as a franchise, really. So I have a, I have a soft spot for it for that for sure, and I I do think the I do think they're sort of fun and over the top. I do love rarity. Yes, <laughs> rarity is amazing. <laughs> and I have all all six of those dolls that Integrity Toys made. Oh, do the, you? Yeah, of the ponies as as humans and like about I think four of them are boys actually. Or inspired by each pony, I should say. They're really cute. Yeah, isn't Pinkie Pie one of the boy dolls? Pinkie Pie, Rarity, Rainbow Dash, and I think Applejack, now that I think about it. Wow. They're such an odd, um, odd little piece of collectible from, from My Little Pony. 
Definitely. <laughs> but they're really fun. <laughs> Interesting. Species flipped and gender flipped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at them. The Pinkie Pie one's so cute. I know. And the Rarity one is so dapper. I know. I like the Fluttershy. It looks like she's going to, like, Coachella. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> she's got her flower crown. <laughs> Honestly, the only one that looks like their character to me is Twilight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them don't look like their character as much, but I like them. Yeah. Otherwise, they look like gem dolls to me. Almost. They do. Yeah. Especially Rarity. Oh, you're right. It's like a dapper Rio almost. Yeah. So, Alex, as somebody who likes My Little Pony, the vintage... I should say specifically, what do you think Jewel Riders fans could enjoy checking it out? Um, I mean, I think both of them, the newer My Little Pony and the vintage one, do a good job of making friendship kind of a central theme. Mm-hmm. So I think that that goes into Jewel Riders pretty well, too. Okay. Because, I mean, it's always about the relationship dynamic between the three girls and Jewel Riders. Yes. So I think uh, classic My Little Pony and Friendship is Magic both do a good job about making it about the character-centric relationships. Okay, I like that. I like that, definitely. And I'm so looking forward to seeing the movie now. Definitely. To get a little better feel of that than probably just the pilot special. Yeah, I think you'll like the movie a lot. It's quite um, it's quite sweet. There's a sweetness to it that it captures that I think that the new one did have some of, but the old one just has a very extreme sugary sweetness to it. Okay. Okay, well, we're just getting some final thoughts on My Little Pony for Jewel Riders fans as to why they might like it. I like Princess Luna. <laughs> <laughs> That's my declaration. Well, we do have we have Sun and Moon. What unicorns, yeah. Which I'm sure you already said. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely for Friendship is Magic, the three main princesses are a sun princess, a moon princess, and Cadence is a heart princess. Okay. So there is a, <laughs> there is a little connection there. I I I was like, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> So that was that was always kind of fun to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think especially if if you like things with unicorns, if you like things with, you know, any horse centric element of jewel riders, I think you will like My Little Pony. And if you like watching, you know, the baby animals antics and things like that, I think that My Little Pony is a really fun, you know, basically expansion on that. Definitely. And also, if you like colorful, colorful horses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, beautiful colors to make your eyeballs happy. Yes. I, I do always smile every time I see a big bunch of ponies together in a shot because they're so pretty. Well, let's, let's move on to our second show from 1984. We have Rainbow Bright. This is was created by Hallmark when Hallmark, as with um, several, like another greeting card company, 
were getting into the licensing business of creating characters that they could use not only on greeting cards, but on, you know, lunchboxes and dolls and any product you can possibly imagine. Um, Rainbow Bright had a 13-episode run with one movie, The Star Stealer. And tell me a little bit, Alex, did you watch this ever as a child? Or Oh, Rainbow Bright was a favorite of mine. <laughs> okay. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I really enjoyed Rainbow Bright because it, even though it was... I, it, it was animated in Japan, I believe, but yeah, it was, I believe so. Yeah, but it was a Western written story, but it did it did kind of have more of like an anime feel to it at times. I could definitely tell that when I watched the two episodes I watched for the podcast. Yeah, and I mean the very first episode, um, Wisp is sent to Earth, and she um, gets into all sorts of danger and mm-hmm. the the whole world that she's sent to is i i guess it's not earth it's rainbow land she's sent to but it's yes. pre-rainbow land um so it's dark and scary and filled with monsters and she's um tasked by a unknown voice with kind of restoring this land and it's just very cute and adorable in that first episode but also a little bit dark and mysterious so you're talking about the beginning of rainbow land parts one and two yes right okay yeah that's what i watched as well and i was i was again surprised by the darkness of an 80s cartoon (laughs) (laughs) yes like she fights all of the she fights off all of these crazy monsters and you know and you can you can tell it's like very anime 80s designs for those monsters was kind of the first thing that tipped me off. I was like, if this was all made all in the West, I don't think they would have ever designed a monster to look that scary. No, definitely. (laughs) And I mean, I think the, um, the beginning of it is just, it's so interesting because it's so mysterious and you really get a feeling that there's a lot of high stakes from the fact that she's in this dark and scary world and tasked with kind of making it bright and beautiful. Yeah. Now, what what is the villain's name again? I'm trying to remember. It's the... It's Murky and Lurky. Murky and Lurky. But there was like that, that overarching villain, like... Oh my gosh. I'm trying to remember his name as well. I just remember Murky and Lurky also. Yeah. And there was the princess from the movie. The King of Shadows. Oh, yes. That's that's who he was. He was scary. Yes, definitely. He looked like a Dementor from Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Or like a Nazgul from the Lord of the Rings. Yes, (laughs) exactly. But yeah, I I love... um, I love her horse, Starlight. Oh, yes. He's He knows he's the best, and he is not afraid to tell you. <laughs> a very majestic... A rainbow horse? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Stormy, what about you? What was your childhood with Rainbow Bright? I don't know that I ever... I watched the beginning of Rainbow Land episodes, but I don't think I watched any other parts of the show, but I really, really liked the Star Stealer movie. 
I yes. thought this was great. And I don't entirely remember why, because it was so long ago. And when mm-hmm. I looked it up on YouTube, it's not on YouTube. And I was sad. So I want to find some, find a DVD or find however you watch it these days. Cause I'd like to watch it again. I remember the, the diamonds was a really cool idea. It was the diamonds that all the light in the universe passed through. And the princess was trying to steal it because it's a giant diamond and diamonds are a girl's best friend. Uh, <laughs> this is great. This is a great idea. Yeah, I think the planet's name is Spectra. Yeah. 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 I know, sadly, that was released on DVD in the early days of DVD. And... You know, when they had, like, a cardboard case that would uh-huh. have a plastic snap. And I don't think it's ever been released on DVD since. Huh. I'm always hopeful that somebody somewhere will release that, even a digital version. Yeah. <laughs> but. I remember so much of this movie. <laughs> like, Do you really? I do, because it was one of my favorite movies. I had it recorded on a VHS tape, and I watched mm. it over and over and over and over. I may have had that also, because I remember it well enough, I must have watched it a lot of times. Yeah, it's a very, very fun story. And I mean, I I remember distinctly one of the things I loved about the Dark Princess. Um, she basically... He had a giant diamond on a leash with a collar around it, and she dragged <laughs> it around. And I loved that. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. It's so extra. <laughs> yes. And I mean, all she does is scream throughout that entire movie about how she wants that diamond in the sky spectra. And uh, it's just... Uh, it's hilarious, and she's an amazing villain, and I love the standoff between her and Rainbow Bright, um, because you really do feel like Rainbow's trying her hardest with the color belt, but she's really struggling to win, and it isn't until um, Onyx, and I forget his name, the boy. Chris. Yeah, Chris. Um, so, <laughs> like, it isn't until Chris and Onyx help her that you really feel like she's able to overpower the princess it's so cool yeah side note i love onyx yes he's I look like he's such a cool like robot horse <laughs> <laughs> definitely i like i think i remember his mane lights up when he speaks yes yes so cool um for me rainbow bright my sole childhood memory of this was a read-along a called Rainbow Bright and the Brook Meadow Deer. Oh. It's a book with a tape that tells you the story, <laughs> a cassette tape. Uh. And I listened to that thing and read that story over and over and over again. And I like loved it. And it, and it's like, and I never really knew beyond that how much more Rainbow Bright there really was. Because it had, it was basically like after it had all sort of gone away from its first wave that I had, I ended up somehow with that book and tape. <laughs> so it, it's just sort of like, how did I miss all the rest of it to like <laughs> an adult? Like, but then, you know, later on I was able to watch Star Stealer and now I've got the DVD with the show that I'm going to start watching after I've seen the first two now. 
And they're so cute. And I love, you know, Hallmark has put out a lot of Rainbow Bright merchandise, actually, in the last couple of years, which is sort of surprising to me that, you know, here's a property that's still getting things made of it from the 80s. I wonder if they were hoping it would come back like My Little Pony and She-Ra have come back. Well, in I think it was 2014, which I guess would have been the 30th anniversary for Rainbow Bright, they did a three-episode mini-series of Rainbow Bright for their um, Hallmark-owned channel called Feelin, F-E-E-L-N. You can actually watch all three. They're only like little 15-minute episodes. Um, And they're very, you know, in the style of New My Little Pony in terms of their comedy and stuff like that i think i saw pictures from it and i think i didn't i didn't realize they were from an actual show i think i thought they were someone's fan thing <laughs> they, they yeah. kind of look like pictures. a fan thing unfortunately <laughs> it, it definitely wasn't in the same vein as the original and i mean i feel like the flash animation that they had done for it just um it didn't capture that original magic that the older 80s one had but yeah it was kind of cool that they got molly ringwald to play the dark princess in it though yeah that was kind of fun that was kind of fun um yeah they're they're all on youtube now to watch um if you are so inclined i thought maybe when i'm done watching the original series i might go back and check them out again but they're an interesting sort of side path and Rainbow Bright has had a number of uh, reboots over the years, too. You know, was she there was a one in the 90s of her instead of the color kids, it was the color crew, which made me laugh because it's <laughs> so incredibly 90s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really... They have made some really cute, cute stuff of Rainbow Bright over the years, the last few years from Hallmark. Um, oh, I also wanted to mention, this is the first one that this comes up on, but this is the first one where they have music by Haim Saban and Shooky Levy. Huh. So these, you will, Stormy, you'll recognize Saban, of course, as Power Rangers and Tenko. Mm-hmm. And, and but, Moon we never and, got. Yes, and yes. the spawn moon of of our dreams. Yep. But it's very... These two show up on a number of different, uh, different things for doing the music for these 80s cartoons. Which music did they do? I believe they, they did the uh, series music and the opening song. Okay. Did they have a hand in the movie songs? That I don't know. I'm curious because I did like a lot of the songs from the movie. Uh, yeah, it actually says it is mute. It is from, according to IMDb, it does have them listed as doing the music for those movies, for the movie as well. Yeah, I mean, that movie's so cute, how Starlight opens by singing about it being spring. Oh. 
such a cute <laughs> opening scene. <laughs> yeah. And Starlight's very extra. I yes. <laughs> I think that's like a defining feature of Starlight is how extra he is. I do appreciate in the movie as well that um it had um Sky Dancer and Stormy. Yes. I love they're such cute characters. Definitely. I think um it's it's a really cute scene when Rainbow's trying to get her to stop making it rain and storm everywhere. <laughs> Stormy the true hero of our time. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of why Jewel Riders fans should watch, um Alex, what do you what do you think is a draw here for Rainbow Bright to Jewel Riders fans? Um, well, I mean, it does have talking horses, which yes. seems to be a common thread <laughs> here. Um, I think that for Rainbow Bright, um, if you like any of the horses from Jewel Riders, you're going to like Starlight. Like, it's just a given. You'll probably yeah. like Onyx as well if you watch the movie. Um, Onyx is very robotic, obviously, but I still think people will enjoy his banter with the other characters Mm -hmm. and how robotic and just like mission oriented he is um (laughs) i think obviously the magic and the animation are really beautiful in rainbow bright in particular in the movie um it is just stunning to behold even now so yeah if you're an animation fan in general you're gonna love it yeah definitely that beautiful 80s Japanese produced animation. Yeah. And the music. The music's another piece that I think Joel Renner's mm-hmm. fans would really like. Okay, nice. Stormy, how do, how about you? What do you think Jewel Riders fans can find in Rainbow Bright? Well, the the sweetness of the older cartoons and the the power of friendship. She's got all of the colors of the color kids and her horse mm-hmm. and her little white puff ball that I forgot its name, but she had a little white puff ball. Twink. Twink. Yeah. yeah. Twink. So the power of friendship continues through the ages. I second all of those. And I also want to add, if you want to find another diva-esque villain, you will enjoy the dark princess just like <laughs> Kale. That's so true. <laughs> They're quite similar in that way. They're very over the top and kind of screamy and yelly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to move into 1985 and talk a little bit about She-Ra, Princess of Power. This was created by Lou Scheimer and the Filmation Studios. It was originally pitched by Filmation to Mattel after all of their success with producing the He-Man cartoon and how big of a hit that was. And Filmation basically saw a potential to expand that brand into She-Ra. And so they created the, I think it's 93 episodes of that series. So about, about 10 years ago, I watched this whole series um, 
as I was studying for a board examination. It was like the thing I would watch when I was done studying for the day to take a break. So I have like really good memories of She-Ra being really relaxing. Um, but for this, I rewatched the original five episodes, The Secret of the Sword, which is the opening to She-Ra. And it shows, you know, how she gets her sword and becomes She-Ra and how He-Man plays into that. And it was really enjoyable. I have to say, like, I watched it with the audio commentary track this time, which I'd never watched before that had Lou Scheimer, the head of Filmation, on there. Uh, the lady who directed the episodes, um, the guy who voices Skeletor, Alan Oppenheimer, <laughs> and it was, and, uh, one of the writers, Larry Dottilio. And it was just so fun to listen to them talk about She-Ra and how she came to be and why she came to be. And I, they really talked about how there was a real vacancy in in kind of, you know, girl-focused properties for an action-fashion heroine. And, I mean, I think maybe that's arguable with things that have come before, like My Little Pony and Rainbow Bright. But I do think She-Ra is kind of one of a kind, you know, for her time. You know, maybe the only thing before her was, like, Wonder Woman, and even then, it's like kind of a very different thing. So, uh, Stormy, did you grow up watching She-Ra? You know, I've never seen any of the original She-Ra. Really? Shocking. I Somehow, I watched a few He-Mans because I had a brother and he was into He-Man. I mean, I still have a brother. He's around. But, <laughs> okay. But um, I never watched She-Ra. It wasn't on. I had a few of the toys. I have, like, one of the dolls, which I think turned out to be Glimmer. And after seeing the new She-Ra, I was very happy to have a doll of Glimmer. Yes. And I have the Crystal Waterfall toy. Oh, which is the Crystal really Falls useful. toy. If you look that up, I, I don't know if you can get one anywhere anymore, but it is a really, really pretty toy. <laughs> the old She-Ra toys had gorgeous play sets. Yes. Um, Crystal Castle, Crystal Falls. Um, I know there's like a couple of vehicles, like the Sea Harp boat and Enchanta, the big flying swan. And the horses <laughs> were pretty. The horse toys for She-Ra were. Yes. Real. They were nice. They had the transparent horses with the transparent wings. And those were really cool. You know, every time I go to a convention and I see She-Ra toys, I want to buy them so badly. And then I look at the price tag and I cry inside. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm not paying $200 for an out-of-box crystal castle that's missing all the accessories. Oh. <laughs> but they're, I mean, just the toys are, are beautiful. They don't look like the show very much. <laughs> Always. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Alex, how about you? Did you grow up with She-Ra? Uh, well, no, I didn't grow up with She-Ra, but I did watch quite a bit of the old She-Ra, and I was a fan, and then mm -hmm. I did watch most of the new one. Um, have you not like finished the new one? I have not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I mean, I think Shira has some absolutely beautiful designs. The toys are super beautiful. I like that there's like the holographic element on some of them. Like yes. on uh I guess her I don't know if you'd call it her face wings <laughs> on the original doll <laughs> that go oh, around her yeah. face. Yeah. There's definitely. like that holographic thing on them and it's like really the, beautiful. Yeah, the wings on her headdress. <laughs> yes, and um I I do think it's kind of funny how clearly the toy designs were designed before the original show or after potentially I'm not yeah, sure I'm not but 100% sure on the timeline of the design of the show versus the toys either way it's pretty clear that one of them didn't match the other <laughs> yes I mean I wonder if that's like a simultaneous design problem I mean, I'm looking at the toy design right now, and it it looks to me like some of the elements on it would have been very difficult for hand-drawn animation to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, She-Ra's got like a spiral design on her breastplate on the toy that I think would have been incredibly difficult to animate correctly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um... And it, but it always makes me laugh, you know, that some of the toys are very different color wise, like cast a spell is all orange in the toy and blue in the show. And um, the production art for the toys is really beautiful as well. It's got that perfect eighties airbrushed painting look. Yes. I love it. There was who is the artist you've told me about who worked on a lot of Shira art? Oh, it's I believe Beverly Kirby. Beverly Kirby, yes. Her art is incredible. It is really beautiful. She did a lot of the storybook art, right? Yeah, she did. Okay. Yeah, her stuff is fantastic. Like, if I could only have something that looks like that again. <laughs> Definitely. There's such a... In a lot of her stuff, maybe not always necessarily in the show, but in her stuff, there's a very fairy tale quality to it with a lot of loops and curls in the hair and, you know, just the pastel color palettes. And I think most of her art, um, if I remember correctly, it, it looks like it was... Um, watercolor. Okay. And it's it's really quite amazing um, when you really look at it because you can kind of see some of the water fading into the background, like the watery um, hues. They blend really nicely at the edge of some of the details. Okay. And I'm looking at one right now. I just found one. Um, she like blends blue and green for the grass, and it's really beautiful. Oh, I'm also looking up Beverly Kirby art. Man, she is really talented. I know. Somebody I would really love to talk to on the podcast someday. Yes, Yes, get her on here. (laughs) Oh, my God. I want, like, prints of all of these and just to make a wall of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're really gorgeous. They have almost the Tom Tierney look. Yes, Tom Tierney. 
Stormy, you may know him from, he did a lot of artwork for things like Barbie and the Rockers and Gem. Oh, uh-huh. Back in the 80s. Oh, he has sadly since passed away. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Yeah. But uh, I, for, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, um, some of the art does remind me of Wonder Woman, um, and the star, what was it? Star Riders? Yes, and the Star Riders. Um, yes. Some of it kind of reminds me of that, but I'm not sure the artist behind that. I know, poor Wonder Woman and the Star Riders. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, I'm not sure who did the toy designs. Um... But I know there's that tiny little comic yes. that they made of it that I don't know who drew that either. It doesn't say on the comic, I guess. <laughs> I think it might. But I would have to di- I would have to dig that out <laughs> and find that. I'm very curious. I'm very curious if it does now. Here at the Jewel Riders Archive, we go over it with a magnifying glass. Exactly. <laughs> I will need one because that comic is like this, like the size of two credit cards. Oh wow! Put together. Didn't it come in a cereal box? It came in a cinnamon mini buns. Oh wow! <laughs> Which it proudly proclaims on its cover. Oh. <laughs> I have memory of getting X Men mini comics from like Pizza Hut or somewhere. Did anybody? Yeah. Else? But that's the 90s. Wait, we have to save that for the next episode. Yes. <laughs> okay. So for, sh- I mean, I think, I think for She-Ra, I think it's very, I think it's the most clear cut. Like if you liked Jewel Riders, if you like heroines who transform, who have magical horses <laughs> and who have, you know, friends with different powers fighting against, you know, red-colored villainesses. <laughs> She-Ra is about as close as you can get, aside from Tenko, which we will talk about next time. <laughs> I turn on the new She-Ra, and it's like, this this show, it's the same colors as my soul. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I love new She-Ra. Like, I think it's probably one of my favorite cartoons I've seen in the last few years. It's like beautifully queer, beautiful colors, uh, good writing. Like it is, it is truly the show I think Shira deserved. Yes, it is like, it's so good. Not necessarily tied to He-Man. Yeah. She can stand on her own, and I love it. I love it. I, I like want... how distinct all the characters are as well. Like all their designs are very different from each other. And that's so nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like the whole range of diversity in the show is great. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love old Shira where it's like magical Barbie, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. But I also really appreciate the new stuff too. I know there's always people whenever there's a reboot who are like, this is horrible. You <laughs> ruined my childhood. <laughs> they can both be good. It's allowed. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. If you want to watch the original, watch the original. It's not going anywhere. It's there. 
Let let people who want something new enjoy it. <laughs> totally. But any any final thoughts on Shira? Nope, think we so. think it's great. Okay. Yes. <laughs> right. Our other show from 1985 is Gem and the Holograms. Now, this was created by Hasbro and screenwriter Christy Marks as a competition to Barbie. Gem is the truly outrageous 80s pop star who lives an amazing double life because she's also the um, record executive Jerrica Benton in her secret identity. (laughs) So this was, this is a true eighties classic. It is probably the most steeped in the eighties of any of the shows we're going to talk about today because it's a modern it is a quote modern day show of the eighties. Um, Barbie tried their darndest to kill this. They rushed out what's known as Barbie and the Rockers to compete with this. And if you watch the episode of the toys that made us on Netflix, they do talk about it a little bit in the Barbie episode, how proud they were to beat Jem to market. <laughs> <laughs> It was very sad. But Alex, I know you're a huge gem fan. I love Gem and so, the Holograms. Yes. <laughs> it's a fantastic show. It's basically the closest thing we're probably ever gonna get in the West to an animated soap opera. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> You have the misfits trying to kill Gem and the Holograms at various points throughout the show in strange and unique ways. <laughs> I do appreciate that the first like few episodes of it, everything has to be a cliffhanger. Like every commercial break has a cliffhanger. Every ending of an episode has a cliffhanger. And <laughs> it's just very much like trying to get you to not turn the TV off is what Christy Marks said in an interview. (laughs) Yeah. I think I remember hearing her say that they were originally planned as like 10 to 15 minute episodes. And that's why each segment ends on a cliffhanger for those first five. And I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense now. I believe they said that it was originally sandwiched between like GI Joe and transformers. Yes, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) so they were like please don't turn the tv off but it ended up getting its own giant fandom so i mean i think they were quite successful yes no don't turn off the tv the rock and roadster (laughs) is about to go off of a cliff (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) and every episode has the three songs in it and i just think that that's so much fun like uh, just showing problems in a really literal way and showing dreams and romance in a really literal way through like 80s animated music videos. Yes. I think the music videos are such a creative piece of this show. Definitely. Like the amount of crazy animation that they do in them is really awesome. And I was like, these are fantastic. Also, the music is still really good. 
Yes. And I routinely put on YouTube playlists of it. Yeah, me too. While I'm doing work around the house or like <laughs> the great workout or cleaning music <laughs> too. Um, one of the things I I want to talk about is how Jem feels very magical girl to me. Like synergy has like a total vibe of a fairy godmother or a you know any of the magical girl sort of magical little things that you know give them the ability to transform yeah definitely so it's like i think it's the closest thing we we ever got in the west to a magical idol show <laughs> like, <sure. laughs> like creamy yeah. mommy or fancy lala or any of those exactly. Fancy Lala is a good show <laughs> oh it's such a good show i'm so glad you agree stormy <laughs> But yeah, Gem is a fantastic show. Every single episode is fun to watch. There are some zany ones where the president gets kidnapped. Oh my god, I rewatched that <laughs> one for this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just so much fun and the animation continuously improves as it goes on, so it gets even more and more beautiful. I also rewatched Out of the Past, which is the episode about uh, Jerrica Benton and Kimber's mother, Jackie Benton. And it's like a really moving episode. She has like passed away before the show starts. And it's their quest to basically find her last recordings. Yes. And it's like, I really wish that the, that the gem movie had used that as like a plot. <laughs> I, I do could... feel like they might have if they had had a sequel, because, I mean, there was that one moment in the Gem movie that hinted that there was more to the tiny robot Synergy than we knew. Because right. there was an actual voice behind Synergy in one scene in the movie when they first boot up Synergy. Oh, OK. I, yeah, it, there was just that robotic voice for a moment, and it kind of hinted that there was more behind the tiny Wally-esque synergy <laughs> than meets the eye. <laughs> okay. But I guess we won't know. Oh, that poor Gem movie. Yeah. It just bombed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stormy, what thoughts do you have about Gem? Unfortunately, hardly any. I didn't watch it. This is another one that passed me by. Okay. I did watch the live action movie and I kind of liked it. Okay. I liked it too, Stormy. It's okay. Oh, good. I think we're and, like the, the three people in existence who probably I, liked that movie. Well, maybe I only liked it because I didn't like see the actual show. But <laughs> I, I thought, yeah, well, this is a fine movie. But I should. I liked something else that Christy Marks did. It turns out she also worked with, I think, Sierra Online, which made video games that I liked. So she made Conquests of Camelot and Conquests of the Longbow, which were two video games that I played maybe about the time that you guys were watching Gem. Oh. Christy Marks seems to have been everywhere. I thought her name was familiar when you said it, so I quit Googled, and yep. Oh. There's a Robin Hood game and a King Arthur game back in the days of Pixels that Christy Marks worked on. Those look really fun, and I should check those out, because I love (laughs) old Sierra games. 
I, I bet they're on GOG. If they're not on GOG, I'm sure there are Let's Plays. I know there are Let's Plays. Right. Yeah, I mean, Christy Marks is one of those people who, every time I see her name pop up, I'm like, ah, this will probably be good. Yes, definitely. <laughs> she wrote I mean, a reboot of uh, Amethyst Princess of Gemworld a few years uh, ago that is quite good and unfortunately cut short. <laughs> yes. Um, In terms of the gem movie as well, I wanted to add, I think there's they made one fatal mistake in their editing because in the DVD of it, uh, there's a deleted scene where they're trying to escape from Starlight Music, Rio and Jerrica, uh-huh. because they've snuck in to get her earrings back. And in the deleted scene, they actually parachute down from the highest floor. <laughs> and I'm like, that is so gem. Why did you Why cut this scene? Why would they cut scene? that? It's great. I know. I know. <laughs> That's very gem. There's only one way to get out. We have to parachute off of this building. <laughs> and it would have probably been a music video. <laughs> exactly. It would have been like, you ought to see the view from here by the yes. mist when they're paragliding <laughs> through the city of Los Angeles, somehow miraculously avoiding every skyscraper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think Pizzazz also like has a laser that Tech Rat made in that episode. And he like, you know, uses it. Oh, no, sorry. Pizzazz uses it because he gave it to her for some reason. And she like gives a gem billboard a mustache. <laughs> oh with the laser <laughs> pizzazz is great in the long tradition of petty 80s villainesses yes she's so good <laughs> i love i love her <laughs> although i have to say my favorite misfit is stormer i think I, Stormer's a fan favorite for a I lot think of people so too i think so too she's a lot of fun She's voiced by Susan Blue, who we will come back to when we talk about Wildfire. <laughs> oh. Um, so, Alex, why do you think Jewel Riders fans would enjoy Gem and the Holograms? Um, I think it still has that element of magic, albeit it's a smaller portion of it because mm-hmm. she's only able to create holograms but she is able to do some pretty fantastical things with it so i do think that jewel writers fans would probably enjoy the magical portions of it and it is very centered around friendship again because all of gem and her sisters um Asha, Shana, kimber and everybody and i later on Rhea, um i think the relationship between these characters, they clearly love each other and are there for each other. And I think that will resonate with Jewel Riders fans a lot. I completely agree. And I also want to add, if you like pink haired singers (laughs) here and like Tamara, here's another great one you can enjoy. (laughs) Moving on to 1986. Stormy, you brought, you've been actually after me to watch this show for years. This is <laughs> Wildfire, uh, created by Hanna-Barbera. It's a one season of 13 episodes that follows the adventures of the lost princess Sarah, as she and her magical horse Wildfire keep the world of Darshan safe from the evil lady Diabolin. Which is names. Let me just tell you how much I love Diabolin <laughs> as a name. <laughs> so, 
I watched the first three episodes for this podcast, and I definitely want to watch more. Sadly, only not very good quality YouTube copies are available for this show. So, somebody, Warner Archive, if you're listening to this podcast, you release a lot of old Hanna-Barbera stuff. Please release this also. <laughs> Stormy, what what is the draw for you in this show? Why Why do you enjoy it? Well, even partly because it's so secret. I mean, who has heard of this show? It's just a magical horse show, and there's not really any fan sites, and there's just nothing about it. And it's actually a really good show. It's, uh, I mean, the writing is kind of obvious. Yes. <laughs> the villains are kind of obvious. The villain has bumbling minions, and, you know, Wildfire is big manly stallion and saves the day and saves Sarah and kind of speaks in a big booming voice. Yes. And it's, I don't know, it's just good. I think it's partly it's maybe the hints for Sarah's backstory or future story. Because Sarah is the princess of this land and was banished by a curse from Lady Diablin. So she lives on Earth with her adoptive father. And then Wildfire comes to get her and she goes to Darshan to solve, like, to solve the problems of the people. Like horses are going missing or fairies are something or the, the whatever has come to town. And Princess Sarah will come and she will fix everything. Yes. Because she's like 10 years old and has <laughs> a magic locket and a very magical horse. And a sweet western getup. Yes, I should say this because we're going to talk about Lady Lovely Locks, but Sarah wears like jeans and a cowboy and it's very cute. And you really wish that there were more of it because I'm kind of, I mean, just watching the 13 episodes, you start to kind of see, boy, if there was another season and you got to watch Sarah kind of grow into being the future queen, it sort of stops before you really get to okay. get to where she transforms into Princess Serenity, if there's for sale. You can see that that sort of thing is coming up, and it never really gets there. Okay. So you want more. Um, one thing I wanted to mention about this show was that I was looking at the credits for it, and I saw that Peter Beagle was a consultant on this show. Peter oh. Beagle, most well-known as the author of The Last Unicorn. Yeah. And... And the and the screenwriter for the movie of the same name, and I was like, "What a perfect person for a magical horse show <laughs> to be a consultant on." Some of the episodes were also written by Linda Wolverton, um, who was the screenwriter for B Disney's Beauty and the Beast. She also she wrote the third episode I know that um, has like a marriage between. A guy who gets turned into an ogre. And, <laughs> and I was like, how very Beauty and the Beast. This feels almost prescient. <laughs> you you need to watch episode 12, Chris. There's a, a great revelation. It's a good okay. episode. You need to watch that one. Okay. I, I intend to try and keep watching the rest of the show, um, you know, through through the sadness of the YouTube copies that are available. <laughs> yes, I, I should tell this story. Back when trading fan subs on VHS was a thing, 
I traded for uh, VHS tapes of Wildfire, and I'm pretty sure that the ones I got are the same master copy as those YouTube videos, which is oh, very wow. sad because it suggests that there may not be any better quality in circulation. And it does kind of the bad quality does make it hard to appreciate the great cuteness of this show, and it's just a shame. Well, I mean, you know, they have these great '80s Hanna Barbera designs. Like the little, the young boy who's the friend of Sarah Doran looks like a white haired Johnny Quest. <laughs> um, I think the little horse, um, oh my gosh, what is its name? Brutus. Brutus, <laughs> yes. Brutus that he hangs out with is so cute. And this is where I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna mention Susan Blue, cause Susan Blue, the voice of Stormer in Gem, does the voice of Brutus. <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh. I was like, oh my goodness, how cute is that? I lo- Like I said, I loved Diabolin. She looks she looks like the evil queen from Snow White. She's got oh, this, she does. She's got this total same facial features and sneer and eyebrows. It's great. Um, the other thing I thought of was that this remind this show reminded me a great deal of the Unicorns of Balinor series. Oh yes, it is. You know when you where you've got princess sent to another world and she has to come back to her fantasy world and save it with the help of her magical horse and and I was like I think that is a you know I think if Jewel Riders fans liked Unicorns of Balinor I think this is a great thing to follow up with. Alex, how did you feel about this show? I mean, from what I could tell, I really liked it. I just wish the <laughs> the masters that were available somewhere in the archive would be released because sure. I'd like to be able to appreciate it in a higher quality. But I will say um, one thing that it reminded me of is Sarah kind of reminds me of Molly from the My Little Pony movie. Oh, you're right. You're right. (laughs) That same little Western girl design. (laughs) Yeah, the two the two pigtails. It's really cute. It is super cute. I like that it was kind of a almost like a Western themed magical girl story. I think that's really interesting um, and unique because I don't think I can think of any others that are like that. No, it's it does feel very unique. You're absolutely right. Stormy, bring us home on this one. Why should Jewel Riders fans watch Wildfire? Because it's, it's a great about op- princess and a magic kingdom and a magical horse. And many magical horses, in fact. Okay. I also have to say, anybody listening to this podcast, even if you don't watch Wildfire, watch the opening song. The opening song is truly epic. It shows the whole backstory for the series, and it's just a wonderful opening. I really liked it, too. I will I will second that opinion. It's, it's a beautiful song, and it has beautiful, because it, like, shows the whole history of Sarah being sent from Darshan to Earth in the one song. Yeah. It's a really good little piece of storytelling to start each episode. Mm-hmm. And a really cute song, too, to top it all off. (laughs) So that is why Wildfire is really good, and you all should watch it. Right. We're going to move into our final show for this episode. 
This is one that Alex was after me to watch. <laughs> this is the <laughs> 1986 show from American Greetings slash those characters from Cleveland, Lady Lovely Locks. Those characters from Cleveland is a company that created shows such as and properties such as Care Bears and Strawberry Shortcake as well with Dolls by Mattel. And the show follows Lady Lovely Locks, the titular character, as she keeps the kingdom of Lovely Locks <laughs> safe with the help of her friends, the Pixie Tails, from the wicked Duchess Ravenwaves of Tangleland. Who is the best character? Yes! Yes, we can all agree on <laughs> we that. We can all agree that Ravenwaves is fantastic. A lot of villain love going on in this podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have to say another show with music by Haim Saban and Shuki Levy and another fantastic opening song. Yes, it is. The full ver- you can find the full version of it on YouTube and it is really cute. Is there an opening? I must have watched it without the opening somehow. Oh yeah, I think a lot of the YouTube copies don't have the uh, opening song on them. But yeah, Alex, tell us why you like this show so much. Well, it pretty much just all revolves around Duchess Raven Waves, if we're honest. (laughs) I mean, I remember distinctly how much I loved her when I believe there was one episode where Lady Lovely Locks goes into the looking room and she has to go through all of these passageways and up this random elevator that's somehow in her castle and like do all this stuff and activate her magic hair. And then she's like able to see what's going on in the kingdom. And then it like cuts to Raven Waves and Raven Waves is just looking over at her through her telescope. (laughs) 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 And I don't think it was meant to be a comedic thing but it was just funny how like you you cut to raven waves and she's just kind of petty and she's like looking over in her telescope like lady lovely locks what are you doing i like that she has not she's the duchess of this whole land but she has nothing better to do than spy <laughs> on lady lovely locks she is just she's such a petty character and the the way they they always end an episode is that she sort of like walks away from whatever horrible thing she tried to do that week and nobody really tries to stop her. <laughs> I just, I love it. It's like even the last episode where she's literally held people hostage in the <laughs> castle. They just let her walk out the front door. <laughs> I mean, I I do remember there was also a moment where basically like, I believe she had a pair of scissors and they just took her her scissors away. And then she just kind of stood there awkwardly, like not sure what to do (laughs) because she couldn't like cut ladies hair. Well, yeah, we we should add that Duchess Ravenwave's whole shtick is that she wants to cut Lady Lovelylock's magic hair. And I don't know how she would use the magic in it if it's not attached to Lady (laughs) Lovelylock's. Is she going to like, braid it into her own hair or (laughs) extensions (laughs) oh boy (laughs) it's interesting too because the only conceivable reason i would think of to have the magic hair is to summon the pixie tails or to use the looking room but the looking room isn't in her kingdom and she doesn't need pixie tails she's got the comb gnomes yes the comb gnomes such a great (laughs) name (laughs) 
the whole time I watched this show, like my writer brain was trying to make sense of the world and how it is structured and how the magic system works. And I was like, I, I have to stop because it will, I don't think it will ever make sense <laughs> completely. Like, it's like, but wait, if Dushin, if Raven Waves has comb gnomes, are they like Pixie Tails? Or are they different? Can they do magic? It's like, <laughs> like, could she use the pixie tails at all? Maybe <laughs> like, they're like evil pixie tails who have fallen <laughs> from grace and lost their powers. <laughs> and they randomly got a lot bigger for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Triple the size. I mean, they're short episodes, right? They're like... Yeah, they're like 10 minutes or 15. 10 or 15 minute episodes. And there's only like 22 of them, I want to say. And the last few tell, like, a more sequential story about a dragon who has children through a dragon tree, which don't ask me how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the show was so cute, except for the random. I watched some version that had, like, a random live-action actress dressed oh, up as... She turns up Lady Lovely Locks. PSA. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's like kind of old to be Lady Lovely Locks. I don't think my version has that. I have the German DVDs of it. Oh. But I mean, they have the English dub still on it. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, this is another one that's never had a US release, which is very sad. Because I think, you know. I think if you can release My Little Pony and Rainbow Bride, I think this is totally in that same vein. It's, like, cute and pastel, and the the villains aren't super threatening. But, Stormy, tell, tell me what you thought about it. Well, some of these other shows I've been saying were really good, but Locks, <laughs> I'm not sure that... Well, it, it was very, very PSA. It was very this week's PSA. Yes, they they tell you the PSA in the opening narration. Yes. For every episode. <laughs> there, there wasn't a lot of depth to the series itself. But, you know, like we were talking about, about what are the pixie tails and how does hair magic work? There's a lot of room for expansion if you have a writer brain you could go a lot of places starting from this kind of mediocre cartoon about girls in ball gowns. Yes, I know you mentioned to me earlier that you had a good chuckle that wherever they go, no matter what they do, they're wearing ball gowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They should be like Sarah from Wildfire and put on pants if you're going to go on an adventure. <laughs> I laugh because there's the episode where they go to the snow and they're still wearing ball gowns and just long coats with fur trim on them. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think you're properly attired to go to a snowy mountain. So I didn't watch all the episodes. Do they eventually get to the mermaid lagoon and meet the mermaid doll? Because I know there's a mermaid doll. I don't think they did I in the show. I don't think they do oh, in the show. Yeah. That's interesting. Maybe there are books with her in it. There I are. No, there was a show until recently. I just knew that they were dolls, and I really like the dolls because they're beautiful. Yeah, the dolls are super cute. 
I'm I'm definitely on the lookout for a nice Raven Waves doll. Why? I can maybe, maybe I'll get her if I ever get her, I'll get her a pair of scissors. Yes. <laughs> I actually I had the Raven Waves doll when I was like eight or whatever. I had to go to the dentist and my mother bribed me to go to the dentist with a doll and I picked Raven Waves because her dress is jewel tones and all the other girls are all pastels and the the purple and green teal and the dark hair. She is the prettiest doll. And I still have her somewhere, but I'm not sure where. I found her dress, but I couldn't find her. Oh, no. Alex, do you have any of the of the toys from this? No, I don't, unfortunately. But I do think they're really cute. Um, the only one I think is a little bit questionable is Silky Pup. <laughs> very funny looking I yes i got him at a thrift store <laughs> you remind, so um, but, reminds me a little bit of things like pound puppies and things yeah. like that <laughs> um but i mean yeah i think i think that the toys themselves are really really cute and eventually i'll probably try and get some as well yeah af- after i watched the entire thing i had owned a Prince Strongheart doll before, but afterward I did make sure to track down all of the um all of the storybooks, mm. and they have gorgeous art. Yes, the art is so pretty. Yeah, and it's yeah. like Alex, you were telling me once before how when you look in their hair, you can see like almost little ghosts of the pixie tails in the curls. Yeah, like, they're kind of just hidden all around the world and in the hair of everything, and it's really cool. Like, it's like a nice little touch. You, like, look in the background and in the trees and in the hair of everything, and there's little pixie tails everywhere. It's like, and once you told me that, it's like, I don't know, I had totally not seen it before, and then I was like, <gasps> it's like my eyes were open. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are pretty well hidden, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they are... Fabulous. There used to be a site called LadyLovelyLocks.org, which I don't think is still running. Uh, yes, I was on the forums there for a while. It says it's down for maintenance, which makes me sad. But if you go to the Internet Archive, you can still look at some of their stuff. They had, they had a like, Stuff uploaded, yeah. Yeah, including transcripts of like German audio plays and all sorts of things. Oh, like, that's interesting. Yeah, I was like, I definitely wanted to explore that more. But I know it's like, I know Alex, at, at one point you had talked about perhaps doing something inspired by hair magic and that yes. kind of stuff. <laughs> Maybe eventually I would I like would, to. I would love to see that whenever you whenever you finish. <laughs> <laughs> so would I. Please, re- please redeem the world of Lovely Locks. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much there that could be done. Yeah. I like, I tend to very often like things that even if they're not quite up to snuff, they have potential. And Lady and the world of Lady Lovely Locks is something with so much potential to me. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's like, you could go so many cool places with this. I agree. 
that being said, even the show as it is now, I think is worth watching just oh. to see what Raven Waves does. But exactly. Like, that's almost the only reason, because Raven Waves is the best. She's, you know, and I think it's because she has a very distinct and fun personality in a world where Lady herself and Fair Hair and Curly Crown are all sort of the same and yeah. nothing too different about them. They're quite prim and proper. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I was sort of surprised when um, Fair Hair and Curly Crown don't really go on many of the adventures. No. <laughs> I was like, they mostly just sort of stay in the castle. Like, okay, well, we'll make some food or worry <laughs> about you as you ride off on your horse to I solve I wonder how big the budget for this animation was. Because if they were cutting corners, maybe that would explain maybe. many things. Maybe. I'm, I mean, I think it was a co-production between, like, Deke and another company. I do have to say it's kind of weird, some of the animation stuff that happens if they didn't have much of a budget, because there are times where designs will completely change. So it's like they did the work twice. Like, I believe the castle looks a little bit different a couple of times. I was always so confused by the castle. Like, <laughs> is it raised up on a mound of hair? Yes, it is. <laughs> But that's only sometimes, and other times it looks completely different. Yes! <laughs> oh, I like, could just watch this on a bigger screen! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. I definitely think, for Jewel Riders fans, the world is the thing. That if you like the fantasy world of Jewel Riders, I think you could definitely enjoy this one. There's a lot of fantasy elements here. Like dragons and spells and wizards and stuff like that. And cute animals. And cute and, and cute lots animals. of cute animals. So and pixie tails and the gliders. Not oh, insane. yes. Oh, I didn't make insane. that connection. Neither did I until just this moment. <laughs> but they're kind of similar. So Alex, oh. give us your give us your thoughts on why Jewel Riders fans would like Lady Lovely Locks. I mean, I feel like it has a bit of the cute Arthurian take in its world. Mm -hmm. um, it does have a little bit of that in it. It has the cute animals. Um, and I mean, the dragons in particular, um, they're, they're quite almost comedic in their way that they're written so yes. i feel like that light-hearted take on fantasy creatures and animals um jewel writers fans might enjoy that a lot definitely i have to second that i forgot to say on the dragons there's one that is a very similar shade of green with a yellow curl <laughs> in its hair as sugar oh, from, yes. <laughs> from jewel writers which made me smile every time i saw it definitely Okay, well, I think that is all for our Magical Girls from the 80s shows. So that was super fun to chit-chat a little bit about some of these shows. And I'm so glad you guys kind of twisted my arms to watch Wildfire and Lady Lovely Locks <laughs> and that I finally did it. <laughs> and I will have to watch that My Little Pony movie when that comes in the mail. Yes. Yes, it's very good. Before we do our next episode. 
because I I was pleasantly surprised by Rescue at Midnight Castle, so I think I'm I'm ready for the next thing for My Little <laughs> Pony. <laughs> well, we cannot thank Stormy and Alex enough for coming on the show. If you want to find more from Stormy, you can find her current writing works on fanfiction.net under Cupcake Doll, I believe, writing lots of Fallout fanfiction. (laughs) And if you want to find some of her vintage fanfiction, you can find that on the Jewel Writers Archive, including her Trina story, an epic (laughs) novel-length fanfiction from back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to find more from Alex, including really cool dress-up games and small visual novels, you can find him at paperdollprints.itch.io. I love your Star Prince dress-up game. Thank and you. I <laughs> so, and as we always like to say at the end of our podcast, friends together, friends, friends forever. forever. Thank you guys so much for being here, and Everybody, please look forward to part two, where we discuss things from the 90s and beyond. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.